1: And welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I practice as an intuitive psychotherapist. And I welcome you to go to my website to learn more about what I can offer you at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles, therapy.com. And I have offices physically located in both cities. I do phone, Skype, and FaceTime sessions with clients worldwide. And I recently released a new and updated Nolatherapy.com. Please check that out and let me know what you think. I have made it more user-friendly and less narrative to sort through. I'd love to know your thoughts. And as part of my services, in addition to individual and couples therapy, I've launched a astrology package, the astrology of Chiron. Chiron is the wounded healer archetype that Carl Jung speaks about and is also an astrological placement in your birth chart that addresses and identifies your core wounding and this core wounding i realized and discovered and spent 3 years writing a book about which will be released by inner traditions publisher in 2020 fall of 2020 talks about the repetitive patterns that we tend to find ourselves cycling through it might be a new a different a new relationship but you feel kind of the same issues and and wonder what is going on this is a different person or i moved to a different city and after a while the same issues and problems seem to present present themselves. And that's all rooted in your placement of Chiron and the 12 core wounds that we each have one main core wound that we tend to struggle with and our vulnerability. It's what we've come here to learn in our lifetime. And so the Psychoastrology Package is a 30-day intensive working with me for $5,000, including text access, phone access, and really deep diving into your core wounding and its healing. So I just want to talk about that since it's something new that I'm offering. Please join my email list at NOLA Therapy. And I want to thank you as my listener for being with me through this journey over the last three and a half years as a podcaster. Thank you. Thank you. For your loyalty and your subscription, and I ask that you please continue to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Follow me on social media on Instagram at Nola Therapy. I have begun an IGTV series on spiritual hacks a week ago. Today will be spiritual hack number fourteen: the value of mentorship, and I go through specific practices, techniques books and practices that you can employ in your life every day to really amp up your level of satisfaction and happiness and peace. Meditation is one of the spiritual hacks. I talk about the use of a pendulum. I talk about crystal grids, what they are, why you would even want to do that. Yesterday I spoke about what is consciousness. So dealing with some psychological, spiritual and philosophical topics. As the series unfolds with one three to five minute episode per day at NOLA therapy on Instagram, I'm going to shift gears to introduce my guest because he is changing consciousness through his work. And that is the theme of my podcast. We will be in moments with John Francois Benoit. I'm going to call him JF for short. And he is the author of the book titled The Monkey Mind. And he's founder of The Exclusive Hawaii. It's a residential treatment facility in Hawaii. If you want to follow along with us online, you can find him at theexclusivehawaii.com. It's those three words. And his facility is an alcohol and drug addiction facility rehab facility. They work with eating disorders. It's a skill-based program working to help you shift your mindset. And mindset is really what dictates our behaviors. Our behaviors come from our mindset, which comes from our thoughts and beliefs. And beliefs are thoughts that we continue to think over and over and over. And JF at his facility helps you really get to the root of those beliefs that are causing you to have addictive behaviors and i love that he's his work focuses around experiential engagement and jf talks about this the metaphor is you don't learn to ride a bike by talking about it you have to get on the bike and fall off and do it and practice in the same way he helps you to heal from addiction so with that i welcome you jf
0: thank you so much for having me this is wonderful
1: you're welcome. It's wonderful for me as well. How are you today?
0: I am terrific. We're we're actually uh, in the in a wonderful space today. We're celebrating. The book has actually uh, reached the title finally of uh, an Amazon bestseller. So, Addicted to the Monkey Mind: Change the Programming That Sabotages Your Life has, has reached that status on Amazon. So, it's a uh, it's it's wonderful for us because we're experiencing that um, everything that we've been doing is really. Um, Know striking a chord with people, so it's a wonderful feeling.
1: Congratulations on that major success with your book! Thank you. Yeah, so what I'd like to ask you first of all, JF, is how can you talk to listeners? What is our monkey mind? I know it's a Buddhist notion. Can you break that down for us?
0: Yeah, I think it's a wonderful question. So, I think that for most of us, uh, we're not aware that uh, we receive programming and conditioning at a very early age. So I often share with people that imagine that when we're children, we're like a sponge, Mm -hmm. and we just absorbed our environment. It's not a very analytical process at that time. So when mom and dad comes home, and let's say they're stressed about something, um, the whole focus as a child is been focused on you. The whole world has been focused on feeding you, making sure you can walk, making sure you can dress yourself, making sure you brush your teeth. And so for, for us at that stage of evolution, you know, our mindset is not very developed. So we absorb more things, uh, you know, on a body level with mm-hmm. through our nervous system. So when the anxiety, you know, the parent who's anxious walks in the room, we then, absorb that as if it was our fault, as if it was, you know, we, we, there must be something wrong with me and it's not logical. So we receive programming and condition that way. Uh, and most programming and conditioned way of being happens between zero and 10 years old. After that, we start forming clear patterns of thoughts. Around uh, what those experiences have shaped in us and then they become more concrete core beliefs that we hold about ourselves. So the monkey mind really is that programming that already exists and it's the part of ourself that's very reactive, um, that doesn't really have the ability to self-regulate, that's just operating from Basically, when a stimulus happens or when a situation happens, we react to a person or to an event thinking that what we're really reacting to is to that event. But what we're really reacting to is our own programming that that already exists inside of us.
1: Absolutely. And and I'm thinking that our responses when triggered like that could be fight, flight or freeze that reptilian brain that that yeah. wants to self protect and isn't accessing the higher functioning and problem solving skills. Yes. And and most of us I,
0: I think if there's one thing to understand about the monkey mind is that it's never logical. And so what's, what's problematic is that as we become adults, we look to seek solution through analytical thinking. Well, but your monkey mind, your programming doesn't really exist at that level. It exists, you know, literally where if your partner says, why didn't you do the dishes? Or if your partner says, why didn't you, uh, you know, order the vet, you know, medication for the dogs or whatever it is. And then the person blows out and you know, has a discharge, um uh, where does that discharge come from? It's not coming from the, the the question that was asked. It's coming from this distress that exists and unconsciously the programming is you're not enough on some level or you did something wrong. You know, just the same as a parent might yell, Why didn't you do your homework? And and imagine how many times does a kid hear that yes. growing up and eventually it's it, it translates into, I'm not enough. And so most people operate from a monkey mind that is just caught into that, that original programming. You know, it's, just, it's, just, and they, it's not even conscious, most people don't even know that it's there.
1: Right, until they're triggered to feel that way. And then there's this huge emotional response that's often, like you're saying, not warranted. It, it, the level of escalation is way higher than the presenting circumstances.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to do. So the book is written in a way that you follow these two characters, you know, Kevin Kevin and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, And it's written in a way that these two characters basically go through all the experiences that most of us have. Most of the normal struggling the daily, whether it's with career or whether it could be an addictive behavior. It could be, you know, emotional issue that rises up. And so as you, you begin to understand that this monkey mind is something that is unavoidable it's something that happens to all of us and that there is a way out as you learn that these two characters learn to develop what we call an observing mind and and the gift in shifting from one mindset to the other is actually that it's more simplistic than we think it is so meaning like one of the, the section in the book is using your feelings as a guidance system. So there's a lot of tools and practical things that people can use, but it's this understanding. If you look at children emotionally, right They they go from mad to glad to sad, you know, in five minutes flat, but they're <laughs> back to glad. Yes. And if you look at us as adults, we actually have learned to repress our emotions thinking that, you know, some emotions are acceptable and some of them are not. well, You know, so then we end up, what ends up happening is we do one of two things with our emotion. We either implode with them or we discharge them. And people confuse that that's having an emotional, you know, experience. And both of those are monkey mind experiences. Imploding with my emotion and discharging my discomfort on somebody else is not an experience of my emotion. So my emotions are actually an intelligence system that can point me back to the belief that I've adopted through my programming that makes me react the way I react. And so if I'm able to actually develop skills to be present with my emotional state, I can actually track that emotion to a core belief and then get immediate relief because I'm actually verifying the validity in a very evidence way evidence-based way in the moment. And it's really life transforming to experience that. So, you know, these skills, you know, oftentimes we teach this at the center and I've been doing continuing education for therapists in uh, the modality I created, experiential engagement therapy. And it's really amazing that people say, wow, why didn't we learn this? You know, when we were young, we would have saved ourselves so much problems if we understand the intelligence system that's already, you know, within us. And it's just that we have parents who have modeled using emotion as a way to shame ourselves, to motivate ourselves, to become a better person. And all it does is dysregulate the nervous system even more. And then the more dysregulated I am, the more I implode and and explode with my emotions and the more just the same pattern just keeps repeating itself.
1: Exactly. So you're teaching people emotional intelligence, to develop their capacity to contain their emotions and evaluate them instead of just being reactive from that instinctual place?
0: The key to that,
1: that that most
0: people are not aware of, is to actually develop um, a real sense of empathy and the ability to do something that we call resourcing. So imagine that When I'm in a a very reactive fight, flight, freeze response, I'm in a state where, in that moment, it's very, very challenging to actually access anything else, right? It's it's what people describe as the knee jerk response.
1: Absolutely. Right? Yes
0: especially people who have addictive behavior, it's very, very challenging for them. They say, I don't understand. I've been in therapy for 10 years and I'm still, you know, can't stop the behavior. I just can't stop it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that's missing is the fact that, imagine I often say to people, imagine that there's two main parts of you. There's a 12, or 10 to 12 year old in distress, and that let's call that your monkey mind. And then there's an adult self that is, um, that is very resilient, that's already overcome so many different things in your life. Like think of, you know, like Joseph Campbell talks about our life as one hero's journey after another. Mm-hmm. And it's because it really is. Like think of the first time you went to school and how nervous you were. And then you finally made your way through that. The first time that, you, you, you know, you went to college or every little hurdle along the way. You know, the first time you went to the dentist, the first time you, and so if you look at our lives as combined of experiences that we have actually developed this amazing resiliency that we are very, very strong. Okay. Now, but here's the thing. When the 12 year old, uh, is hijacking my psyche, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really what happens to us is in that moment, if I don't first resource that brain, so meaning that. You see, the ability of the monkey mind is so strong because it superimpose a reality on the present moment. So, you know, give you the example of a, 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 in a couple. And people laugh when you, I say this cliche example, but why didn't you take the garbage? You know, and if it's said in any amount of tone that appears to be irritated or whatever, the other person comes on glues and says, you know, I work really hard all day. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. and so you look at that response and you go, wait, wait a second. That response is out of proportion with the question. The mm-hmm. question was just about trash, right? It was just yes. about taking out the trash. So. The person now in that moment their reality has been hijacked by a 12 year old in distress who really really believes the belief behind it is uh, there's got to be something wrong with me but the partner never said there's something wrong with you the partner just says why, why did, did you, you take, take the out garbage trash? out yes. you had agreed to take the garbage and you didn't right so not logical and in that moment it's not there's not much awareness that this is this is happening there's not much awareness that oh now my whole life my my resilient self has gone out the window (laughs) it's no longer the guy who actually you know build a company or any of that stuff it says that that guy doesn't exist and so for most of us we don't realize that the ability to access emotional intelligence is first the resource and one of the greatest skills to learn in terms of resourcing is learning to breathe. You know, yes. to have a very specific, and there's a whole section on it's in the book about baby. called tools of awareness. Mm-hmm. And those skills can be easily built if we develop a discipline for ourselves to practice them. And it's amazing what breath can do because breath brings you back the ability to resource in a moment where your monkey mind is about to hijack your entire experience.
1: I want to jump in, JF, to highlight two techniques you talk about that I really like and, and want to make sure our listeners tune into are offering where you talk about keeping a journal of successes, of, of challenges you've navigated in your life successfully and then being able to reflect back on those when something else comes up and looking at what you did then that you can draw from now. I really like that practical process of writing and keeping track Because when we are triggered in the ways that you're describing, our mind, like you said, is hijacked by a younger ego state, and we kind of lose touch with that our our amazing problem-solving ability. So being able to go back to that journal that you talk about, I think, is super effective, as is where you talk about circular breathing and your notion of fused thinking and how to insert that pause in between our thoughts. So I'd love for you at some point to talk about that which I think you're about to go into.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. So so one of the most important aspect to understand is the body does not believe positive affirmation. Mm. So if I if I try to resource myself in a time of distress by saying I'm beautiful, I'm strong, I'm this amazing person, okay? The the the, the body will we'll reject it because the monkey mind is too strong. The monkey mind says, no, wait a second. It's like, imagine the monkey mind a little bit like the way it's been conditioned. It's the same as if you have a person, there's a dog in a room and this person's been walking into that room every day for 20 years. And every time they walk in a the room, they kick the dog. Yes. So 20 years later, if the person walks in the room and say, hey, I love you. And it's like now joyful and doesn't kick the dog. The dog is responding like, wait a second, what is going on? So the dog is the equivalent to the relationship we have between our mind and our bodies. So our body has been conditioned with critical, uh, uh, like an inner critic, uh, you know, shame as a motivator to to create change for ourselves and it's epidemic in our society and it's all around us. And we don't realize how much we have put so much pressure on ourselves and that pressure is internalized. It's it's become like self-aggression. So the first thing about those skills that you're talking about to understand is that we can't just think positive thoughts and think that the body is going to go along with it. So we don't need to do that because we've actually have thousands of experiences where we are, where we have been resilient. And so if we're able to say, wait a second, you know, if I, if I'm in a moment of distress and I take a breath, Okay, and I look at the situation and I'm I'm faced with and I can breathe into and now I remember being a sport person. Like for me, it was hockey. I grew up playing hockey. Okay. and I remember not being very good at hockey. And I remember like transforming that into I was in the C League and then I ended up playing in the Triple A League. Okay, so what happened? Well, I went to the park and I was resilient. I practiced eight hours a day. I would just nonstop and I got my game up. So if I take a breath and I breathe into my body in a moment of distress and I actually bring back this really, really resourceful guy who's that guy like a dog on the bone who became this awesome hockey player. Okay. My body now really trusts me.
1: Yeah.
0: My body goes, oh yeah, I trust that guy. That guy is like, he did it and he's for real. And so now and now I've done true resourcing. So for all of us, there are so many, you know, monumental moments where we can actually shape a real self. And this is not a made up self. It's a resiliency that we already possess because we have been through, you know, those experiences that have been intense. We have overcome so many of them. And so it's the monkey mind is making up a story of Mm -hmm. distress based on a child's perspective of, you know, reading the world through a very limited perspective that, you know, we didn't have the capacity for that. But the adult self cannot mistake like reality from that confusion of that world that that seems to be really distressful. You know, when my mother walked in, you know, she started throwing a fit, you know, whatever. So the adult self can actually look at that moment and go, well, wait a second. That wasn't about the child. That was just a moment in time. So those skills of resiliency, um, are about, I would recommend the people, you know, just take, you know, a half hour or 45 minutes and sit down and write five major things you've overcome and develop a sense of really knowing who you are in a resiliency way that you are that person. Yes, And then develop the skill to breathe, which the way we do it is a circular breath like you mentioned, is we sit um, in in a very you know I sit in a chair, and the idea is picture a balloon at your that that fills your chest and your belly button, and the belly has to move out, and so you breathe and you fill up the balloon, and once it's filled with air, you empty it out, and all you do is put your focus attention you know with your mind on the movement of the breath and then you usually time yourself i recommend that people start with five minutes at a time you just sit and do it for five minutes and you use a timer and if you don't use a timer your monkey mind will take you over and so we don't want that we want to be able to have every time we sit to breathe, we want to be in charge of the amount of time so that we know that we have a success at the end of each session that we sit down to breathe And it's not so much the amount of time, it's how many times you can actually practice it and come back to it. Yes. Because again, this is a resiliency that you build with yourself, right?
1: Yes. Over time. JF, we're going to take a quick two minute break and then I'm going to bring you back on and we're going to continue. I have a question for you. So hang tight. Wonderful. Awesome. For you, the listeners of all things therapy, my sponsor BetterHelp is offering 10% off your first month to try out their online therapy service. BetterHelp is HIPAA compliant. They offer several thousand therapists that are licensed and available to work with you doing online and phone therapy through their HIPAA compliant platform. You are able to select a therapist, and if you don't feel a resonance with them, you can request to work with someone new. The therapists available treat a wide range of issues from depression and anxiety to LGBT issues, grief, self-esteem, relationships, and they, they do offer financial aid to those who qualify. And it's affordable. Sometime you might not feel like you're able to get to an in-person therapist. So BetterHelp helps to fill that gap so that you can receive services to address your mental health needs. Check them out and take advantage of their 10% off by going to betterhelp.com forward slash ATT for all things therapy in all caps.
0: and enjoy.
1: And in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Welcome back to All Things Therapy. If you're just joining in, I am with J.F. John francois Benoit. He is the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Monkey Mind, and founder of The Exclusive Hawaii. You can find more info and order his book at TheExclusiveHawaii.com as well as on Amazon and his facility is a residential based treatment facility treating alcohol and drug addiction eating diso- disorders those comorbid issues that go with addiction and it's a skills based program based upon mindfulness principles that he has developed and and they are experiential engagement therapies and we're with him right now welcome back JF Wonderful. So I wanted to ask you, since I work with a lot of people struggling with addiction, and how is it that you introduce these concepts to them when often I find people with addiction come in kind of in a crisis and their mind might be really scattered and such, how do you begin to teach them your experiential engagement techniques and practices? So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out.
0: So when most people are dealing with an addiction, um, the issue, the biggest issue that we're all dealing with, but specifically someone who has an addictive behavior is they're completely cut off from their bodies. Mm. So for example, what I was just explaining about the breath, if you ask any of them to take a breath, you won't even see the chest moving. Mm. So they, they, they have learned to over identify with the mind and I can guarantee you that this is the biggest issue that's epidemic in our society is that we think in terms of fixing things, you know, we keep, we we keep pushing, we keep, you know, using more and more of our analytical capacity, thinking that we can resolve absolutely everything when in the process of thinking, we're shutting off our bodies, shutting off discomfort in the body. Yes. So, you know, if you look at addiction, it's just, uh, you know, we say it's an act of love because what the person is doing is trying to numb the pain, right? It's just they're trying to basically, there's too much discomfort, there's too much stress, they can't deal with it, they don't have any skills to deal with it, and so they want to numb it out. So, what's the first thing to do, which is in most therapy, um, unfortunately, we've, you know, we've all been trained to go to, you know, uh, Uh, you know, to the past and to the trauma and to all those things, which, you know, is is all helpful and it's not as helpful as it can be if the person is in a state that is not able to process yet. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is actually to help the person. I often say to them, look, it's as if your tank is empty. You know, if, if you had a car and there's no gas in it, would you expect the car to move forward? No, there's no gas in the car. So what do you do? You put gas in the car. Yes. So imagine it's the same for us. It's like, you know, therapy tends to focus on pathology. Well, you know, pathology is a great thing and it's a miracle for sure. But here's the thing. Let's put gas in the car before we start going there. Absolutely. Right? Let's, let's really... <laughs> and so this is why I think we see such amazing result really quickly. It's because, you, you know, have you heard these statistics that says um, that 80% of what matters in therapy is the connection? Yes. You ever heard that, yes. that statistic? Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so what does that mean? It, it points to what I'm talking about meaning that what the person needs the most initially is to feel a sense of love, a sense of empathy, a sense that they can actually put shame down long enough to breathe and feel safe, experience themselves in the moment of like, okay, I'm not a bad person. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've screwed up a lot of relationship and burned a lot of bridges and I've destroyed my health. Yes, I get all this. And right now, Right now, I'm sitting with these people, and they deeply care about me.
1: I love hearing you say this because it's so foundational and important as you talk in your work about shifting from the shame and fear-based perspective to one of awareness and compassion and really deep love and forgiveness for oneself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's really amazing what, when we start building the resilient self, what's really incredible is to see how much there's a distorted view of who we are, Mm -hmm. because when we, that's one of the first step that we do with people. And when you see on the whiteboard, about 20 things that you've done and overcome in your life that are very very specific because we we use a lot of mindful inquiry to pull it out of people and we get very very specific information it's not just a general comment here it's you know i actually went through foreclosure one time or i you know and those and they were there's a lot of detail in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I entered a dance competition and I was scared. I didn't think I could make it. And then I found this mentor and then I studied and then, and it, so it's just like, there are so many different things that we, we, we tend to, you know, it's like the brain is conditioned with this monkey mind, you know, the cliche, thing is is when people you know you can get 20 positive comments from your boss but you get one bad one yes. and all you keep you keep thinking about is that bad one yes it's like that's the predisposed conditioning monkey mind and so the first agenda is to shift that mindset immediately into resiliency
1: I see that you know, I, and like, that go
0: on, the the one that feels the feeling in the body the feeling in the body is amazing I mean it literally within a two days you can see a person who was depressed, hopeless, felt like they couldn't do anything, do go anywhere but just wanted to drink or use drugs or whatever. and within two days, they're standing up tall and and they look their facial, their eyes they look different, and it's it's just like night and we're not accurate about who we are and we we just got to first really really get that understand that
1: one of the questions that i love we don't
0: really see
1: one of the questions that i that i love you ask and and it makes that shift that expansion in one's body that you were just describing is where you ask who am i if i didn't have a problem to solve and if you just kind of feel into that question like who would who who am i without who would i be without a problem to solve it's like oh You can kind of lay down all of the judgments and overworking. I really liked that aspect of what you offer.
0: Yeah, because the monkey mind is so conditioned to think that if I keep obsessing, right, about all my mistakes and the things I've done wrong and anticipate them, then I will be better equipped to deal with, you know, other situation and I will just become a better person well we don't pay attention shame is the most unconscious behavior that we all exhibit i tell people shame is not really the issue it's the unconsciousness of shame that's the issue Mm. so meaning when we have a true experience of shame in the body we will stop using shame but what we do is we shame ourselves and then we numb We shame ourselves and we numb, we shame ourselves. And then we numb again and numbing has many, many ways to do that. Not just drug and alcohol. It could be food. It could be work. It could be just a compulsive behaviors we have all day. It could be overworking out. It's all kinds of different ways. And we don't realize that that's the cycle we're caught into. If you bring consciousness to shame, which is bring back the ability to be in your body while you're in shame, you will discover that it makes you feel so horrible that it makes no sense that shame would ever create anything positive for you. Yes. But but again, the, the issue is that part of our conditioned way of thinking is avoiding discomfort at all costs. And, you know, like if you look at the research, uh, you know, from Brenny Brown, for example, you know, she, she found that the people who actually – are the healthiest in, 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 in a way that's in mental health way. Okay. Those people have high capacity for discomfort. Mm. Well, why is because they don't see any discomfort in the body or distress or anxiety as a flaw in character, right? Which is what shame is. They actually see the experience as an important experience. It's just energy moving through my body. I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really angry. I'm feeling really depressed. Whatever it is, those those experiences are to be honored, felt, and, and massage and move through them, use them as an intelligence system to propel myself forward. That's radically different than shame. Absolutely. Because shame cuts us off from every amount of discomfort and it keeps pushing towards the ability to, like, let's think about it more. Let's just keep obsessing about the fact that I did that behavior.
1: And you get stuck in that loop and that thought pattern and those negative beliefs that then create the same outcomes. Endless
0: cycle. I mean, endless. It's, it's, and, you know, if, if you ask most people, they would not know that the, the solution exists at a body level. Mm-hmm. They, you know, that's so foreign to us. It really, really is foreign. And it's like, it's, it's really what Fused Thinking is. Fused Thinking is over-identifying with thoughts. Well, mm-hmm. and if the majority of your thoughts are monkey mind trained, okay, how do you get out? It's like, you know, what's the, one of the statistics that says 95% of what we are afraid of never, ever manifests. Yes. Well, if you, look at the, if you look at the monkey mind, it's probably even higher. All the shame-based, every thought that I have that this monkey mind has been conditioned to think, right, is not even real. It doesn't exist. You know, J.F., you have an That's
1: interesting... Kind of-
0: Little bit mind boggling to think. It is. About. It is. You know,
1: I, I'm curious since I have you with me for this time. You started out with a publishing company and here you are offering this profound work, best selling book on Amazon. How did you make that transition personally from publishing to being being a well, hero and offering this?
0: Yeah. So I come yeah, I come from a background, you know, I had a really rough childhood. I started abusing drugs and alcohol when I was like twelve and thirteen. And uh, my dad was an alcoholic, high-profile attorney. And so I had, like, many, many ups and downs through my life um, and just, you know, trying different things. I've always been a visionary. Uh, I was – when I started the company uh, publishing, we were in self-help books, and we were selling to small little individual bookstores that were dying because from – the early 90s, uh, basically, the bookstore industry got taken by Borders and uh, Barnes and Nobles yeah. in a period of 10 years. 90s, it was like 87% of bookstore were small independent and they were all gone by, uh, you know, by the end of the 90s. And then after that, it's funny because that industry got flipped upside down by Amazon after that. Yes. But it's like through all of these, you know, through all of this process, what I've always known is that, I was the the type of person who wanted to learn about how how was I going to transform myself. I did my first seminar with Robert Hargrove that was a derivative of EST. Mm. And I did this one-year intensive when I was 16 years old. Mm. And I got my whole family to do all the workshops and everybody. And it's like it was the beginning of a journey that really, really transformed my life, which is how can I learn more? How can I be more introspective? And so I became a student, you know, and by the time I hit my thirties, I, I just heavily was, you know, at that time I finally had put down drugs and alcohol and then I was able to really, really pursue the path. And I was fortunate to be introduced to some of the most amazing people, uh, to have mentors in my life that, you know, a lot of my study were in the private sector. Uh, I studied for three years at the option Institute with Barry Neil Kaufman. I learned this process of, uh, it's a Socratic inquiry process yes. that I had to apply to myself on a daily basis. You know, there's a whole section in the book about that called mindful inquiry and how we can get ourselves out of fused thinking through a system of questions that helps us become an observer of reality instead of a conditioned way of thinking. These are all skills that, you know, they're all available to us. And they're very, very transformative, and we have to apply them. You know, like you said earlier, you can't learn to ride the bicycle by talking about it, and that's the thing. And I've been, so I've been fortunate to learn them over the years, but most importantly, I began to put them in application, you know, day in and day out, day in and day out, and I was able to form uh, a modality, uh, you know, through all the years of practice.
1: I love what you offer people. I think it's so helpful and hands-on, this experiential engagement therapy. There's something about getting to know this voice,
0: and there's a lot of the book that I think people really love because it does that a lot. It, it's, it illustrates what, what our mind tells us on a daily basis. You know, like the, the unspoken thoughts that just won't stop you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like if we actually could record, you know, a 10 hour period in a day of the thoughts that you had and then play it back to you, which is actually, by the way, one of the technique we actually use that was it was such a revolution when I discovered that is taking someone's programming, ask them to act it out, record it and play it back to them. That's it, awesome. It's one of the most amazing experience you can ever have because Now you're like, have this opportunity. And of course, you have to have enough love in the tank to be able to do this. You don't just do this when you're in a state of distress. You have to do this in a state of strength, you know. But getting to know our monkey mind, which is really what the book is about. This is not a fight. This is not a war with my mind, with this mindset and this conditioning. This is the ability to bring empathy to it and to bring consciousness to it through an observing mindset. Through a lot of techniques of breath, a lot of techniques of inquiry, a lot of um, basic ways that we can resource ourselves on, in moments of distress. And once we learn those skills and we put them in application, you know, the most amazing thing that's yeah. I'm so excited that's coming out more and more is the science of understanding that our brain is formed with something called experience-dependent neuroplasticity. And all that that means, it means that the experience itself creates the thinking. And so in a way, if you look at it, your body is doing the thinking for you right now. And it's like, so if, if your body has been conditioned for years to operate out of a monkey mind, then your primary thoughts are going to be conditioned monkey mind program ways of thinking. And if you apply yourself to have different experiences today, and then you build on those different experiences, then your mind changes, then your thinking changes. So you see how different that approach is? Because
1: most people think they can change their thinking just strictly by thinking. Yeah. But it's new experiences in our body, through our body system. It, Absolutely.
0: That forms our thinking. Yes. And so it's backwards, right? And yes. so no wonder people go nowhere. Right. And people are caught in cycles.
1: J.F., how can listeners get your book and find you? We are at the end of our time together, so I want to make sure they they have that from you.
0: Thank you so much. So, again, the title of the book is Addicted to the Monkey Mind. The subtitle is Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. You can find Addicted to the Monkey Mind on Amazon. I recommend you get it there um it's it's for most people it's the most convenient fast way to get it you will see it it's it's a best seller there um you can also visit uh, our website uh, like you mentioned is three words spelled out it's theexclusivehawaii.com this is our center here in Hawaii uh, small residential, very customized, holistic treatment center. And mo- a lot of people, by the way, don't just come with addiction. A lot of people come because they're depressed or because they have career issues and struggle or marriage, marriage issues, relationship issues. And they really want to do an intensive and they want to just learn all these skills so that they can, you know, really, really put a dent into learning how to live differently you know, so it's a, it's a wonderful experience. We take a group at a time. Um, and then, um, I also lead continuing education and a lot of different workshops and seminars. You can go to jfbenoit.com. So it's J and F and then Benoit B E N O I S T.com. And you will see, you can join some of the seminar and workshops or lists for me to inform you where I will be doing those. And I do also continuing education for therapists in experiential engagement therapy.
1: I will add your jfbenoit.com to the show notes for listeners to have, JF. And I want to add in that your facility, the exclusive Hawaii, is CARF accredited, which is a super hard accreditation to get and maintain. So I like I know your place is top notch. And it just looks like a beautiful setting for someone to go and heal and and experience this kind of shifting in their, in their thinking and consciousness and beliefs.
0: Thank you so much for your support. And thank you for what you're doing. It's, um, you know, one of the things I know is there are not enough of us, you know, the world (laughs) needs help to shift this mindset, you know, thank you. So thank you for the blessing of what you do.
1: You're welcome. That means so much to me. Thank you. And I'm so grateful to have you and share your time with us today. Much gratitude.
0: Same here. Many blessings Many to blessings. all of you. And, aloha. and remember, if there's one thing to be, to be as mindful as we can is to develop kindness towards the self. Hmm. It's one of the best things you can ever do to yourself. Because the mind, the monkey mind is really fear-based and shame-based. And the antidote to that mindset is um, self-acceptance and kindness.
1: Yes to that. And much aloha to you, JF.
0: Thank you very much. I love that saying, as we say here every day, I'm mm-hmm. sending all of you the warmest aloha.
1: Thank you. And have a great afternoon. You too. Bye-bye. That concludes my show today with JF Benoit. Tune in next week as I bring you another episode. I hope everyone's well and I look forward to being with you next week. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at NOLA therapy, N O L A T H E R A P Y.com. Goodbye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir. Only